0: This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins from a Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Good evening, everyone. I trust we've had a great day. Well, this is Christ the Healer class. Our second day, it's a taster session, so we're making it open to the public and folks are also streaming in live. Well, we began yesterday and we said we're going to look at four main things in this course. First is to establish the fact that healing is always God's will for the sick. Healing is always God's will for the sick. And then second, we're going to talk about methods of obtaining healing methods of obtaining healing. Then third, we're going to look at roadblocks to divine healing, roadblocks to divine healing. And lastly, we're going to talk about how to keep your healing and walk in health, how to keep your healing and walk in health. So yesterday we started off by looking at the fact that healing is always the will of God. Remember, faith begins where the will of God is known. And the word of God is the will of God. We gave several reasons, actually seven of them, why we can know that we know that we know that healing is always God's will for us. Amen. Always God's will for the sick. Whether he be saint or sinner, God wants us well. So number one, because it is in his redemptive plan. Healing is in God's redemptive plan. So it's always his will for the sick. Jesus died for our sins just like he died for our sicknesses. And the same redemptive work that dealt with the sin problem dealt with the sickness problem. It's just as easy to get healed as it is to get saved. It's just as easy to receive healing as it is for a believer to receive forgiveness. For his or our sins. Amen. Because it is in the redemptive plan. And then second, we said healing is always God's will for the sick, because sickness and disease come from the devil. Sickness and disease come from the devil. God doesn't want us with anything that's of the devil. It's his property, it's his stuff. He's the originator as well as the propagator of sickness and disease. Sickness is the foul offspring. Like John Alexander Dowie said of its father satan and its mother sin amen then thirdly we said healing is always God's will for the sick because God not only provided healing under the old covenant he has also provided healing under the new covenant praise God and we said number four we know that healing is always God's will for the sick because Jesus is the will of God in action and during his earth walk while he was here he healed the sick he healed the sick his words and his actions made it clear in no uncertain times that God wants the sick healed. We said number five, healing is always God's will for the sick because of the father heart of God. He's a good God, a gracious father, a merciful father, a compassionate father, and he wants us well. Praise God. And number six, we said healing is always God's will for the sick because it is the children's bread it is the children's bread we saw that in scripture and thank God he has set a table before us in the presence of our enemies right in the presence of fear and doubt and unbelief and symptoms of sickness go grab some bread take as much as you need praise God it's our bread and then we said number seven healing is always God's will for the sick because of the promises of God the promises of God the standpoint of God's promises He has promised to grant whatsoever we ask in prayer believing and the Bible makes us know that our faith can make us whole. So we know that healing is always God's will for the sick. So that's what we said yesterday. That's a brief recap and um, we'll just speak up today going on to the next thing methods of obtaining healing. Let's start with the word of prayer. Father we thank you because you're indeed our father. You're a loving father. You're a good father. Thank you for the privilege of studying your word. Thank you for the great and mighty one, the Holy Spirit, whom you sent to be our teacher and to be our guide. I make bold to say that he will live big in me this evening. He'll rise big in me. He will think through my mind. He will speak through my lips. He will act through my deeds. He will anoint me to stand and minister in the office of my call. Thank you, Father, because by your spirit, you unveil, unfold and reveal your word to our spirits. Thank you, Father, because we take a hold of that which is ours. As a result of these classes, the sick are healed. And not only are we healed, we stay healed. We walk in health. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Methods of obtaining healing. Methods of obtaining healing. That's where we're starting from today. Now, I'll say that basically, cardinally, There are two main methods by which healing can be obtained. Two main methods. Cardinal methods by which healing can be obtained. First, by faith. By faith. And second, through manifestations of the Holy Ghost. By faith, that's the primary method. And secondly, through manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Now, Jesus had the Holy Ghost without measure. And um, he had all the gifts of the spirit except tongues and interpretation walking through him. Now, when you check the four gospels, really just one gospel account, but it's told by different, uh, four different people. Amen. Just one gospel told by four different people. We discover that the individual cases of healing, that where we have a testimony to the healing, other than that multitudes got healed, other than uh, a phrase or a sentence or a verse, where we're told the story in some detail, that we actually have 19 individual cases of healing under the ministry of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, you know, some are repeated by more than one gospel writer. Now, 12 out of the 19 mentions the faith of the individual. 12 out of the 19, that's about 62%. Now, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, and he is, then majority of the healings that he will do today will also be wrought by the faith of the individual amen so those are the two major ways healing is obtained primarily by faith and then secondly through manifestations of the holy ghost now some people are so far gone that except there's a manifestation of the spirit they won't get healed yes we emphasize faith we teach that because when we understand how to use our faith then we are not only able to take our healing we're able to keep it too. And we're able to help other people. Then also, manifestations of the Spirit as the Spirit of God wheels. But the Word of God will work anytime we act on it because it's anointed. Praise God. Amen. So, yes, we emphasize both. We put faith first and we emphasize that. But you see, we also need to stay open to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because we're not just people of the Word. We're also people of the Spirit. Now, when I said by faith, that the cardinal method is by faith, and I said that uh, those are the two main methods, each of these methods will have subdivisions under them. Now, when I talk about receiving healing by faith, it could be by faith in God's word. By faith in God's word, like we see in the case of the centurion who came on behalf of his servant. In Matthew 8, from verse 5 to 13, you know, Jesus was going to the man's house. Man said, don't bother. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. So, yes, Jesus said, as thou hast believed, so be done unto thee. Jesus said, you know, I have not seen so great faith. No, not in Israel. So, yes, the man walked in faith. He was his faith. But faith in what? Faith in God's word. Which really is God's highest method whereby we can be healed. Now, what about the woman with the issue of blood? Jesus said to her in Mark 534, daughter, daughter. Thy faith that made thee whole go in peace and behold of thy plague. So that was also someone who got healed by faith. It was our faith that took our healing. But in that case, faith in what? It was faith in the power of God. Amen. Faith in the healing power of God. So you see, like I said, under each of these two cardinal methods, there are subdivisions. Amen. But these are the two main methods by which healing is obtained by faith. It could be faith in god's word which is the primary method it could also be faith in god's healing power amen now i'll say this also that healings are not always instantaneous and not always instantaneous john g Lick said this he said many of our instantaneous healings are a curse he said people get healed instantly and they forget god instantly he said but sometimes when the healing is a process They not only get a blessing, they also learn a lesson. It works something of eternal value to them. When they learn how to stand their ground, exercise their faith, continue to walk with God, and then they are able to receive their healing. Now, like I said, Jesus had the Holy Ghost without measure. If we read in Luke 17, 10, the Bible talks about the 10 lepers. And it says they were healed as they went. Now, this was Jesus who had the Holy Ghost without measure. The ten lepers were healed as they went. So their healing was not instantaneous. It was gradual. Are you listening? So healing could be gradual. Now the very first healing miracle. That happened under the ministry of Jesus. Just after the Holy Ghost had come upon him. Wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't. And he had the Holy Ghost without measure. That's the account we see in John chapter 4. From verse 46 to 54. The account of the nobleman's son. Who was healed. It wasn't instantaneous. It was gradual. It was gradual. He came to Jesus uh, concerning the healing of his son. And Jesus said to him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He said, come, ere my son die, before my son will die. Jesus told him, go thy way, thy son liveth. The Bible says, and he believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. By the time he got home, his son was healed. He inquired of them the time when he began to amend. And they told him the previous day at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And he knew that that was the time Jesus said, go thy way. Thy son liveth. You See that. So that healing also was gradual. Are you listening? So it can be instantaneous. It can be gradual. God is in both cases. Amen. In um, uh, the account of the man who was born blind. John chapter 9 from verse 1 to 7. His healing also. This is a third instance under the ministry of Jesus. His healing wasn't instantaneous either. Jesus spat on the ground, made clear of the spittle. And then he anointed the man's eyes. He told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now that was a process. That wasn't instantaneous. Now what if the pool was an hour away? Well it took an hour for his healing to show up. What if it was two hours away? Well, the healing was gradual. He went to the pool, he washed and when he washed, he came seen. So that healing was gradual too. Well, we see another instance in Mark eight from 22 to 26 in Bethsaida, the man that was blind, Jesus laid hands on him. The first, well, he first took him out of the city. You know, sometimes you may need to get people away from some places if you want to get them healed. That place was embalmed with unbelief. After Jesus healed him, he even told him, don't go and tell them in that city. They could talk you out of your healing that you have just received. Well, he laid hands on him. People say, Jesus prayed for him two times. Well, Jesus didn't even pray for him at all. But this is it. He laid hands on him more than once. He laid hands on him the first time. The man said he saw men as trees. Now, that wasn't an instantaneous healing, was it? He wasn't perfectly whole instantly. Then Jesus laid hands on him a second time, and then he now saw clearly. So that was also a gradual healing. Are you listening? So God is in both cases, whether it's instantaneous or it's gradual. In Mark 16, talking about the signs that follow believers, verse 18 says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What does it mean to recover? It means to amend. It means to begin to get better. So sometimes it's gradual. Amen. And sometimes it's instantaneous. Not knowing this, some people have lost out on their healing because they didn't see an instant manifestation. Amen. So just let's know that. And like I said, basically there are two methods whereby healing can be obtained. Primarily by faith and then secondly through manifestations of the Holy Ghost. You see, God can initiate healing on his own. He can. He's God. He reserves the right of divine sovereignty to do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it, provided he does not violate his word. And through what we call manifestations of the Spirit, God exercises that right of divine sovereignty that he has. The Spirit of God controls that. Now, not everybody is going to get saved like Saul of Tarsus was. But sure, God sure knew what he was doing when he reached out to Saul of Tarsus the way he did. Fellow wrote half the New Testament. God sure knew what he was doing. Amen. So sometimes God could initiate things on his own through manifestations of the spirit. Now we see in John chapter 5 how an angel used to come and trouble the water. The first person that got into the water after it was, it was troubled got healed of whatever disease they had. Now the truth is that these Jews they didn't need any troubling of any water actually. They already had a covenant of healing. Because I've just stood their ground on that and really let the gentiles you know let those folks go to be getting inside the water they already had a covenant of healing jehovah had told them in exodus 15 26 i'm the lord that healed thee he had told them in exodus 23 25 and 26 i'll take sickness away from the midst of thee so they had god's word they could have acted on it but you see god did that too just to remind folks that he's still alive and well he's still alive and well amen I was just reminding them praise God but you notice this that only one person only the first person that got into the water got healed now the angel didn't have a set time he troubled the water there wasn't a set pattern to it if we knew it was always Thursdays by 3 p.m. you would not go there any other time You just wait for it to be Thursday 12 noon then you get there before everybody else isn't it but there was no set pattern to it you couldn't predict when it will happen and that's the thing about manifestations of the spirit There's a lot of suddenlies to them. Amen. Instantaneous, suddenly, you know, just at the spur of the moment. That happens a lot with those manifestations. There wasn't any set pattern. And then you notice it was only one person that got healed. The first person who got into the waters got healed. Or whatever disease he had. Amen. You see, that's an example of God initiating healing through manifestations of the spirit. But the one with the issue of blood, for instance... It wasn't God who initiated her healing. She did. She even took it without permission. It was after she took it, Jesus said, what happened? What happened? Pa left me. Who took that? And then she owned up. Well, it was me. Praise God. So faith will always work. Yes, we emphasize that. Praise God. But like I said, we also need to stay open to the Holy Ghost. Some people will never be healed except there's a manifestation of the spirit. And God, being the kind of God he is, he wants to reach people regardless of the level that they are at. Now, different people are at different levels of spiritual growth. There's the natural man. He's not born again. He's a child of the devil. Then there's the carnal man. He's saved, but he's a baby Christian. He hasn't grown in the things of God. His faith is not developed. Then there's the spiritual man. Now, God being such a good God, he wants us healed, regardless of the level that we're at. Amen. Yes, we can come up to his level. And take it on his level. But he has also come down on our level. Amen. And made it such that there are different levels. Whereby there's one that everyone can hook up with. Praise God. So now let me go into some greater detail about these methods. Well I'll talk about seven of them. Seven methods whereby healing can be obtained. The first one I'll talk about is asking in the name of Jesus. Asking. In the name of Jesus. Asking in the name of Jesus. That's the first one I'm talking about. Asking in the name of Jesus. In John chapter 14. Verses 13 and 14. Jesus said and whatever ye shall ask. In my name. That will I do. That the father may be glorified in the son. If ye shall ask anything in my name. I will do it. Now the Greek word for ask. There is aetio. Strong's numbering 154. One of the shades of meaning of Aetio is to demand as your right or privilege. Amen. Whatever you will demand as your right, whatever you will demand as due in my name, I will do it. Now, P.C. Nelson was an authority in the Greek language as well as in the Hebrew. He said something about this verse, you know, that sometimes there are some idiomatic expressions in the Greek that the English language couldn't uh, convey In those translations. He said, for instance, in the literal Greek here, what it actually says is, if you will demand anything as due in my name, if I don't have it, I'll make it for you. Amen. Praise God. Now, we're not asking God. John 14, 13 and 14 is not prayer. It's not prayer. We'll get to prayer in a bit, but this isn't prayer. This is just demanding your healing. Demanding that you be healed. Now, you're not demanding it of God. It wasn't God that made you sick. You're demanding it of the devil. An example of this is in Acts chapter 3. Maybe we ought to turn there. Acts chapter 3. You know, sometimes just quoting these things to do folks an injustice. It's good to read it in your Bible. See it with your own two eyes. Acts chapter 3. From verse 1. It says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour prayer. Being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried. Whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. Which is called beautiful. To ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Verse 3 says, "Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. Now notice what Peter said. Peter didn't say look to God. Now we ought to tell people to look to God. But Peter said, look on us. And there was nothing wrong with Peter saying that. Why was he saying that? He was trying to arouse the man's expectancy. Look on us. And Peter got just what he wanted. Verse 5. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. He up Peter wanted, he wanted the man to be in that state. You know, look on us. He looked on them, fastening his eyes on them, expecting to receive something of them. Verse 6 says, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Perhaps he wasn't holding his wallet as he was going to pray that day. Silver and gold have I none. but such as I have, give I thee. Now notice he said, such as I have. Such as I have. Listen, the name of Jesus is the possession of the church. It belongs to us. It's ours. It's ours. You see, we have a fourfold right to that name. First, we're born into the family. And being born into the family, the name belongs to the family. The name belongs to us. It's part of our inheritance. We have a legal right to use the name of Jesus. Such as I have, give I thee. Amen. Amen. Secondly, we are baptized into Christ. And being baptized into Christ, we are baptized into his name. Amen. Praise God. Thirdly, Jesus gave us the power of attorney to act in his stead, to use his name, to use his name. Praise God. Remember he said, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. You see, anything Jesus can do, his name will do. Jesus is one with his name. Jesus is in his name. In fact, Jesus is his name. Are you listening to me? He said, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Because he's in that name. He's in that name. He's in that name. The resurrected Christ, the risen Lord, the power, the majesty in the person is in his name. Now it's been about 2,000 years now since Jesus obtained the fullness of his name through his death, burial, and resurrection. But you know he hasn't used it once. Hasn't used it once. Doesn't need to use it. Why? Because he's God. And as God, he rules creation with his word. So why then did he obtain that name? He obtained it for us. He obtained it for us. You see, yes, we've been delivered from the power of darkness. Translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. Yes, we made new creatures in Christ Jesus with the life and nature of God in our spirits. But we still live in a world where the devil is God. The very atmosphere around about us is filled with hostile forces that will attempt to destroy our fellowship with the Father and deprive us of our usefulness in the Master's service. On a day-to-day basis, we're in contact with men who are ruled by Satan, who are governed by Satan. The devil will bring tests, he'll bring trials, he'll try to put sickness on your body. You see, it's for this reason that God has given us a weapon, a mighty weapon to use against the enemy. And that weapon is the name of Jesus. You see, the key is the name. The name is the key. It's the name that gets it done. You know, sometimes you think that, you know, yeah, I'm the one who opened the door. Yeah, you might have been the one that opened the door. But in actual fact, it was the key that opened the door. If you were the one that opened it, that would mean without you, the door can't be opened. But it's anybody who takes the key and turns the key will get the door opened. Because it's the key that does it. The name of Jesus is the key. The name of Jesus is the key. If you read through the Acts of the Apostles, you discover that they never, the early church, they never once prayed for the sick. Not once. Not once. The closest we see, perhaps about two instances. One in Acts 28. When Paul got to the island of Melita, they go up Publius's father, who was sick of a fever and a bloody flocks. Some translations say he had dysentery. Well, the Bible says Paul prayed and healed him. Well, he might just prayed to fellowship with the father and then he ministered healing to him. And then the other one was when uh, Dorcas had died in Acts 9 and um, Peter looked to God first and then he told Dorcas to come forth. That's the closest we get. What did they do? They used the name. They used the name. They commanded that the sick be healed in the name. You see, you're not the one who's going to do it. It's the name that's going to do it. It's the name that's going to do it. The power is in the name. The authority is in the name. You can tell sickness to leave your body in that name. You'll say, Satan, no, you don't. You don't put that on me. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are not going to violate it. I resist you in the name of Jesus. And what's he going to do? He's going to scamper. He will run as in terror. Because he's scared to his wits of Jesus and of the finished work that he did. Colossians 2.15 says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now, William Shakespeare said something that people become great through three different means. Some are born great. Some others, they become great through some conquest. And others have greatness thrust upon them. Jesus obtained the greatness of his name. Through all three methods, he inherited the name. Hebrews 1, from verse 1 to 4, it says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Remember Acts 13.33 says that the day God raised Jesus from the dead, God said to him, he said, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now, To get the full import of that, we know that when Jesus hung on that cross, he was made to be sin for us. He partook of spiritual death for us. He got separated from the Father. And after he died physically, he went to the prison house of suffering, the region of the damned. He paid the price in full. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered up for our offenses, and he was raised for our justification. The marginal rendering says he was delivered up on account of our offenses, and he was raised up when we were declared righteous. Remember, his deity, we are humanity. One hour of deity suffering is worth more than an eternity of humanity suffering. You see, God looked at the treason that Adam had committed, looked at the sins of mankind over the ages. And then he looked at the suffering that Jesus went through. And then the time came, he said yes. It's enough. It's enough. He has satisfied the claims of justice. He has met the demands of the law. He's paid the price. He's paid it in full. And then he was declared righteous. See, when Jesus died, we died with him. When he was buried, we were buried with him. When he suffered, we suffered with him. When he was declared righteous, we were declared righteous with him. When he was made alive, right there, we were made alive with him. You see, that's when the church was born. Those three days and nights. Praise God and then he conquered satan and when he conquered satan we conquered satan with him and when he was raised up we were raised up with him so you see when god raised him up from the dead god said this day have i begotten thee now when god said that he wasn't talking about when jesus was born as a baby in a manger no he was that wasn't the day god begat him god said the day he begat him was the day he raised him up from the dead and the reason is that he had partaken of spiritual death for us. He was separated from God. So really he was the first one to be born again. Are you listening? He was made alive. And then when he became the son, he inherited everything the father had. Yeah, he didn't stop being God's son. I, I believe you understand that. But you see he was our substitute. So when God begat him that day, he fell here to the fullness of everything the father had. Everything by inheritance. He obtained the greatness of his name also by conquest Colossians 2 15 says and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it first Corinthians 2 6 says Howbeit it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect them that are mature not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught Jesus brought the devil to naught He reduced him to nothing. See, the person who is behind that sickness you are dealing with is who I'm talking about. Jesus brought him to naught. Jesus brought him to naught. Jesus paralyzed him. Jesus dethroned him. Jesus despoiled him. Jesus defeated him. He's deposed. He's deposed. He's deposed. He's no longer king. You are the king now. You've got the name of Jesus. The power is in the name. The authority is in the name. And the name belongs to you. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise himself took part of the same, that through death he might destroy. Rotherham say says he might paralyze him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, Who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage? I tell the devil all the time. He's hearing me again. I dare him. I double dog dare him. He's not big enough. He's too small. Actually, he's nothing. He's under my feet. He's under your feet. Whoa, glory to God. Not because of anything I did. I'm not bragging on me. Yes, I'm bragging. That's what I'm doing. I'm bragging. But I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on my Father God. I'm bragging on the Lord Jesus Christ I'm bragging on the finished work of redemption you see we've got that name we've got that name we've got that name the devil has no right to put sickness on your body and if he has you've got a right to do something about it it's gonna stay there as long as you let it stay there when you decide well thus far mr. devil no father enough is enough I've put up with this all. I'm going to put up with it. I'm standing my ground. I'm taking what is mine. Healing is mine. Amen. When you do that, then you take your healing by conquest. And then lastly, by bestowal. By bestowal. Philippians 2 from verse 5 to 11. The Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a servant, was made in likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name, that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of things or beings in heaven, of things or beings on earth, of things or beings under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. See, every tongue has to bow. That name is above every name. Well, I don't care if it's hypertension, it's diabetes, it's HIV, AIDS, it's whatever it is, it's a name. It's nothing but a name. It's nothing but a name. You see, penicillin exercises authority over bacteria, right? The name of Jesus exercises authority over any sickness, over any disease. And that name is ours. So the first method that we're talking about looking at of obtaining healing is to ask in the name of Jesus demand it demand your healing in the name of Jesus the early church you did that Peter said to that man silver and gold have I known such as I have such as I have you see we have the name the name is ours such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and the Bible says immediately Peter lifted him up by the hands and his feet and ankle bones to strength And he walking and leaping, praising God, entered into the temple. Later, Peter told them in verse 12, you know, it's not by our power or holiness that we made this man whole. Verse 16, he said, and his name, through faith in his name, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. See, that name is as powerful as it's ever been. And there is healing in that name. Well, method number two. Number one, we said, ask in the name of Jesus. Second one is closely related to the first and it's to pray for your healing in the name of jesus to pray for your healing in the name of jesus to pray for healing in the name of jesus see there's a charter promise that fell from the lips of the man of galilee i don't know anybody yet who's ever plumbed the depths of that promise is in john 16 verses 23 and 24 john 16 23 and 24 pray to the father for healing in the name of jesus John 16, 23 and 24. Jesus said there, he said, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. He up until now, have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. You see, when Jesus said, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. What day was he talking about? A Thursday the Saturday. No, it was talking about the day of the new creation. That the day is coming. You see, while Jesus was on the earth, they could ask him stuff. When they were on the ship and it was like the thing was going to sink, they could say, master, master, care thou not that we perish. When there was the multitude and they were looking for food for them, how to feed them, they could say, master, you know, we don't know. Uh, 200 penny worth of bread. Can't feed these guys. Where do we get food to feed them? See, they could ask him for stuff. You know, when Peter was sinking, He could say, Lord, Lord, save me. And Jesus saved him. But Jesus was saying, a day is coming. I won't be here physically anymore. And in that day, you won't ask me. You won't pray to me. Then he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever, whatsoever, whatsoever. That will include healing. He shall ask the Father in my name. I will endorse it and the Father will give it to you. See, that's like a blank check. Already signed with a signature on it. And he says, well, whatever you need, just fill it in and go cash it. It's yours. The resources in the bank of heaven are unlimited. Whatever you need, whatever you need, you need a new lung. Well, there are new lungs there. And in fact, if, if, even if there wasn't one that, made your, uh, that, that meets your prescription, you know, your description, he'll create one. He made the body in the first place. He can make some spare parts for it too. Don't you think so? You need a new kidney. He's the creator, praise God, whatsoever, whatsoever. Ye shall ask the father in my name. He will give it to you. Said, he. he. thirto means up until now. Have ye asked nothing in my name? Yeah, they couldn't because he hadn't obtained the fullness of his name up till that time. But he said, a day is coming after my death, burial, and resurrection. The day of the new covenant. He will have obtained all the power, the authority, the majesty of that name. And then we could, uh, from that day, he was telling the disciples, you folks, and telling the church, you can begin to use that name. He said, ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. See, I decided long ago, I'm going to live my life out without sickness. I'm going to live my life out without disease. Yeah, and I'm doing it, praise God. not bragging on me, I'm bragging on God's word. I'm bragging on the name of Jesus. The word of God works. The word of God works. I'm living proof that it does. I used to be so sick that sick people called me sick. And I was pretty sick. Had all kinds of stuff. Amen. But thank God for the truths of God's word. That's why I'm passionate about getting those same truths out to other people. I know what they did for me. I know what they'll do for anyone. You see, incurable does not exist. Doesn't. Doesn't. Not with God. Incurable does not exist. It does not exist. It does not exist. And God doesn't have to do 50 push-ups and 10 press-ups because he wants to remove cancer. No, he doesn't. Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Chatter promise. Prayer from the lips of the man of Galilee. And it's ours. It's ours. You he see, he's our Father. Prayer based on legal grounds is addressed to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, we don't pray to Jesus. We don't. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We don't pray to the Holy Ghost. We don't. We can fellowship with Jesus. We can fellowship with the Holy Ghost. But when it comes to prayer based on legal grounds, it's addressed to the Father in the name of Jesus. And you can ask for healing in that name. In that name. Your Father wants you well. So you could just go take your healing in the name. Pray for healing in the name. Amen. So that's a second method. Well, we could elaborate some more on Each of these methods, but we have so much to cover. Yeah, we're endeavoring to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, to emphasize what he wants emphasized. Amen. Third method I'm going to talk about is the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. Now in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Matthew 18, 19. Jesus said this. He said, again, I say unto you, That if two of you shall agree on earth, as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. In verse twenty he said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Praise God. So if two of you, it takes just two, two of you, just two of us, shall agree on earth. Now I want to ask you a question. What planet is this? Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter, Mercury? No, this is Earth. So he was referring to us and he said if two of us shall agree on earth as touching anything we shall ask anything will include healing he said it shall not that it could not that it might not that there's a probability or a possibility or well maybe it, uh, the father would think about possibly being in the notion of thinking of peradventure he might be able to consider no he said it shall be done for them it shall be done for them or oh, my father in heaven listen, you can't get a whole church to agree to save your life. I can tell you that. He said two. So just two is enough. Deuteronomy 32 30 says, how should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight? See, you can be mighty in prayer as an individual, but when you find somebody who agrees with you, then it takes it to another level. Now, I'll say something about this. You see, you can't force healing on somebody. Are you listening? Sometimes I've had people you know, contact me. So and so is sick. I want you to reach out to him. I tell them, well, why don't you talk to so and so and get him to contact me. The Bible says, is any sick among you? Let him who is sick call for the elders of the church. Some of them may not want to receive. Are you listening? Usually, let's say somebody is sick, standing for his healing. Yeah, we can, I, I can agree with him. He can agree with somebody else that he's healed. Do you understand? So I'm not talking about... Uh, we, we can't force healing on people. They must be willing and uh, ready to receive it themselves. Yes, if somebody gives you permission that, look, please help me. Anything you can, please do it. Then you can help them. But you can't force healing on people. If you could force healing on people, Jesus would have forced salvation on everybody when he was on the earth. Paul would have. Peter would have. But we can't. Amen. Now The thing about this prayer of agreement also, sometimes folks are not really agreeing yeah, Someone came to meet me one time and said, I want you to agree with me about such and such. I said, All right, right, let's, let's hold hands and agree. And holding hands physically, sometimes we can't. The person could be on the phone. I've prayed in agreement with people over the phone. You know, different things. I've told people, okay, at this time, pray. I'll pray at the same time. And then we'll agree. This is what we'll pray. Amen. But if the person is there, let's hold hands, indicating that we're in agreement. And I tell the person, you listen. And let me pray. Or I listen and you pray. You know, and then I will agree with you or you will agree with me. And then sometimes, you know, I prayed and asked them, is it done? And they said, well, I hope it is. It's not. I'm believing you are hoping. There's no agreement. There was one particular case, the one I was referring to. After a while, I asked the person, I said, how about what we agreed on? And I said, well, it didn't quite work right. He said, really, the truth is that I, I, I really didn't want it like that. Why were you agreeing? Amen. If we agree, if we will agree. Brother Higgin talked about one time, he agreed with his wife. He needed a certain amount of money in the offering. They agreed that the money would be there. That particular uh, December period, he had gone to preach in this church many, many years, decades ago. Well, they counted the offering and it wasn't the amount that he and his wife had agreed on. Well, he told the pastor, said, let's count it again. The money has to be there. My wife and I agreed. They counted it a second time. It still was short by $23, 12 cents. He said, let's count it again. He said, it has to be there. He said, my wife and I agreed. It has to be there. They counted it the third time. It was still the same. He said, let's count it again. Counted it the fourth time. You know, he said, look, it has to be. We agreed. We agreed. We agreed. And Jesus said, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, they shall ask the Father. It shall be done for them. It shall be done for them. It shall be done for them. We agreed. It has to be there. After counting it four times, still the same thing. They remembered, oh, there was a lady who bought a Bible and she said she wasn't going to be in that service, but she was going to write the check. The Bible cost $25 and she was going to include an offering for him personally with the check. And then he remembered that she had given her the, the envelope. It was in his um, coat pocket. He removed it. What was there? It was $50. $25 for the Bible, extra $25. He said, oh. he said, now I can go. He said, someone asked him, what if you hadn't found that? said I still would have been there counting the money. I wouldn't have left. 50 years after I will have still been there counting it because it has to be there. We agreed. We agreed it has to be. It has to be. Said or else I'll have to go everywhere I've ever preached and tell them that folks Jesus lied when he said that. He said said, I'm not honest about it. I have to tell them it doesn't work. He lied about it. But the truth is this. God is not a man that he should lie another son of man that he should repent as he said it and shall he not do it as he spoken it and shall he not make it good. You see, if we will keep our end of the bargain, he will keep his. If we will do what he told us to do, we can be sure of an answer a thousand times out of a thousand. You see, this is not Las Vegas. We're not gambling. Amen. It's not a gamble. This is not a Naira bet. No, his word can be trusted it has integrity said if we will agree it shall be done so that's the third method the prayer of agreement the prayer of agreement usually if the person who is sick is in agreement you agreeing with them great but just to agree for somebody else's healing and the person is not in cooperation with you for the healing many times it doesn't quite work well I found out that if one of the parties in the prayer of agreement is actually a beneficiary of the benefit if both parties are beneficiaries of the benefit of what they are agreeing on many times it works a whole lot better because then your heart is in it you are really believing Amen, and you are cooperating with it also and you expect it so the prayer of agreement there was this person believing God for healing for asthma for a while you know believing God for healing for asthma for a while and then the healing there was the person was still having asthma attacks and then now came in a meeting you know sometimes person might have released their faith for healing are you listening you know you're believing god for their healing then maybe you're in a meeting and there's a healing line and someone is laying hands on the sick people have asked me should i still come out well you can on one condition you see a house that keeps laying its foundation will never be built are you listening once you've released your faith you are believing god don't go on doing it again but you can still come out on this condition and say father i'm not going out there to pray for healing afresh I've already released my faith. I'm already believing you for my healing. I'm just going out there so that he will agree with me that I am healed. As he lays hands on me, it's not for healing afresh. It's just so that that person, minister, Christian, will agree with them that they are healed. That person did that. From the moment they agreed, no more asthma attacks. Never. Amen. It takes our prayer power to another level. Well, method number four. First we said, Asking in the name of Jesus. Two, praying to the Father for healing in the name of Jesus. Three, the prayer of agreement. Number four, anointing the sick with oil. Anointing the sick with oil. Now, James chapter 5. James 5, verses 14 and 15. The Bible says there, is any sick among you? Now, that means that there shouldn't be any sick among us. But just in case there is. It says, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, it shall be forgiven him. Now listen. It's not the elders that save the sick. It's not the oil that saves the sick. It's the prayer of faith that does. There's nothing special to the oil. In actual fact, I've even discovered that oil cannot conduct the healing power of God. I know that from experience. Because I've tried. And I'm not the only one that tried. I heard Brother Higgins say he also tried. Amen. People... Now, I'll say this. You see, covenants changed. There was the old covenant and there's the new covenant. The way some people use oil today, is actually biblical, but it's old covenant. And it's not relevant anymore. So it's not scripturally correct again. In the old covenant, the oil itself was an issue. The oil was a holy anointing oil. It had to be composed a certain way. It had to be in the hands of a certain people. If the wrong person, it touched them, they died. The oil was sacred. It was holy. Are you listening? Remember, that was when we had types and shadows. It was a type. The oil was a type of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It was a type of the Holy Spirit. Why do we anoint the secret oil? Is there anything special about the oil? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Just nothing. If you have Vaseline, it can work. We could melt it. If you have, uh, if you have engine oil, it can work. If you have red oil, we can, we can, it can work. Oil, it's just a type. Yes, we use, we use olive oil. It's easier and all that. And then it was also what was used in the old covenant. But don't make a big deal out of the oil. The oil, some people's faith is in the bottle. No, our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. The oil is not what's going to heal you. Now, what destroys the yoke? Isaiah 1027 says the anointing does. The oil is just a symbol representing the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon the person and get rid of the sickness. But sometimes people attribute something to substance. You see, we have a background in occult worship where one man tells you, put this in your pocket. When one man tells you, put this in your house. If it's there, thieves won't come. When one man tells you, use this and use it to touch yourself. Once it touches you, you will get favor. You know. Yes, is anointing the, oil, the sick with oil. Is it scriptural? It is. But let's keep our faith in the right place. Our faith is not in the oil. Our faith is in God. Our faith is in God. Well, there's another in, um, reference to anointing the sick with oil. Incidentally, do you know Jesus never used oil to minister to the sick? I'll tell you why after the break. Ten minutes time. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.